The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Today, we are going to talk about if you should or should not get a puppy and help you hopefully make that decision. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. And what is the quirky tip, Jess? My quirky tip of the day is if you are thinking about getting a puppy, be conscientious of what time of year you're going to get the puppy. If you live in a warmer climate like Arizona or something like that, where what else gets hot in this country? Texas. Uh, you don't maybe want to bring a puppy home midsummer when it's over 100. When you're living in New England or the Midwest, somewhere where it snows, Montana, maybe you don't get a puppy in the middle of the winter. So be very conscientious of if you do want to introduce a puppy into your life, what time of year it is for that puppy. Why don't you tell them how this little podcast got inspired? Well, we just recently had a very young dog come in. Actually, it was a puppy. We typically have a four-month minimum age requirement. They got to have their uh, rabies vaccination before they can come in. And this puppy, I, I had met with the woman, and I told her the, you know, the criteria here, you need to get your rabies. And then when I went back, I told her I would do a few classes with her before we did a board and train. And she got the uh, rabies certificate a little bit early. Right, at three months. So no, she was, was maybe three and a half. Yeah, she was but. in our thumbnail a couple weeks ago. Um, very cute little doodle Lulu. But uh, my last two weeks has literally been with a very wee baby puppy again. So and it's been really just uh, crate training. Yeah, and, um, but like very, round, very the clock, basic. round the clock care. This was a little bit different than a normal board and train. And it kind of re-upped. My thoughts on puppyhood and anybody out there considering like maybe bringing a dog into the family, another dog into the family, the kids want a puppy. We kind of want to flush this out for you here today because it's not that puppies are bad at all, but a lot of people that choose to get a puppy maybe only had a dog when they were growing up as a kid. Their family had a dog and you know now they're adults, they want to get a puppy. You need to brace yourself for some of the responsibility that comes with getting a puppy. So we're going to lay some of that out here today in today's podcast. Yeah, one thing I would also say, uh, if you're bringing a puppy into the house and it's uh, both parents are working or you know you have kids or uh, it's not unusual for both people to be working, uh, trying to now just have a, a housekeeper or a nanny take on the responsibility of getting this puppy crate trained and housebroken is a huge added responsibility that they didn't sign up for and it's taking away from what they're supposed to be doing which is watch your kids or you know deal with the yeah, house, clean your you house know? yeah no that is a good point so if you are going to bring a puppy into your life you want to ask yourself a few questions and first and foremost scott kind of brought up this schedule that's a great one to consider so how many hours a day are you out of the home like what do you guys do on the weekends are all your kids playing sports and you're gone for eight to ten hours on the weekend this is a very important part of puppyhood. What do our day-to-day -day lives look like? Because it's not forever, but normally you get a puppy from eight to 10 weeks um, from the parents or if you're rescuing a puppy or whatever else. Those first two to four months, 
it's a lot. Like it's kind of round the clock care, similar to like how you'd maybe think of a newborn in certain ways, even though newborns actually go to the bathroom in their diaper and they continue to do that, you know, until they're toddlers and ready to be potty trained. So it is a lot that goes into the day-to-day life. And it's pretty much something that you need to be able to tend to the puppy every two to three hours, not overnight. I'm not saying that you should be getting up every two hours at night to tend to a puppy, but it's definitely going to be a six hour stretch, maybe that first week or two. Then I got the puppy that we just did for a board and train to an eight hour stretch. I went to bed at 10. I got up right at six. Scott said I was like a firefighter. I'd have my shoes right by the bed and my coat and the alarm would go off. And I just like, whoa, like first thing I do, go and take Lulu out for a pee. So it's those kind of things to consider that this may really impact your day-to-day life and your livelihood. And if you can take that on, that's great. However, you need to be prepared for it. And the longer you struggle, especially with the potty training situation, conditioning the puppy to a crate, everything else, the more that is going to spill over into later months of the puppy's life. So when I'm saying it's, you know, a pretty hardcore two to four months, if you have a sloppy first two months, we may be talking six to eight months, you know, up until the puppy's a year old. This is a lot of things to consider. And if you already have a pretty full life, a puppy may not be the best choice for you. Yeah. And there are some puppies that take to crate training and potty training right away. I mean, it just seems like, uh, and with, with our dogs, of course, we're, I've had a lot of puppies in my life. And the last two dog, the dogs that I have now, the Border Collie and the Malinois, when they were little puppies, they were really no problem. They were, yeah. they didn't want to be dirty. He also dirty. lived with his lovely wife. Yeah, but family. I mean, some dogs, like, they don't want to be wet. They don't want to be in a crate wet. And they'll hold it because they don't want to be wet. And it's your job to be responsible enough to know when they need to go and really get on the front end of that. So you get them out before they can't hold it anymore. But there are other dogs that will just... Be messy Pee for, and poop yeah, in there and could care time. less. And that's a lot more work, you yeah. know, trying to get work them through that stuff. Yeah. You know? And you don't know exactly what puppy you're bringing home and how the puppy will be. And it can be different breed specific and everything else. So if you do have the schedule, you have a lot of availability. The kids are going to school now. You're willing to dedicate your life to this puppy. Um, you know, you, you work from home. You get a lot of flexibility working from home. However that looks, you need to figure out what the best setup is going to be for this puppy. What kind of structure do you have within your home? We would not be creating the puppy in the bedroom you sleep in. We would not be creating the puppy in the room that you're working from home in. We would not be creating the puppy in a real high traffic situation where, you know, you're in the kitchen, the puppy can see you guys are eating dinner, the puppy can see. So how big is your home? How can you set this up to make the puppy most successful? We highly, 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 highly recommend that if you are going to bring a puppy into your life, you do have a crate that is small enough for the puppy not to want to potty in it. Puppy can eat its meals in the crate and start getting conditioned to the crate right away because the sooner you rip the bandaid off on the crate, the easier it is. Yeah. Now, this puppy that just went home, the woman is living in a second-story apartment in a big complex. So she has to take that puppy out of the crate and just carry this puppy right outside to get the puppy into the grass because the puppy has a history of peeing on carpet. And it was peeing on pee pads in the bathroom for two weeks before we got there. So we needed to set a whole new foundation for this puppy, which was not difficult to do. It was not easy, but it wasn't as difficult as it being in the same house or apartment that it always peed indoors to now you're never peeing indoors again. Yeah. We brought it out of the environment to help fix it. But that's a great example where 
you know, the puppy was in a spare bedroom. This was a great setup for her. She's in a spare bedroom. And part of the reason that this particular puppy needs to be carried is because there's full sets of stairs, like Scott was mentioning, being in a second story. And the puppy is just too young to do a full set of stairs. She was doing, you know, two or three steps at our place. But it's going to be another month or so before she develops and she can get to that point. That's another great thing that Scott brought up. If you do live in an apartment or, you know, one of these high rises or whatever, and you're on the 48th floor, that's something to consider. I'm not saying that you can only, you know, entertain the idea of a puppy if you live on the first floor in an apartment, but it is easier if you have a walkout to be able to take the puppy. Do you live in a house with a yard? Do you live in the city where you have to take the puppy for a walk? These are all different things to consider because where the puppy potties and the quicker the consistency is with the puppy potting really matters. With this particular puppy, she was very young. So she did not have a lot of history of going to the bathroom outside. She really had no clue about it when we got her and that's to no one's fault. That was just the way that things were progressing. So when I first got her, I set up a baby X pen and, uh, she just had a small area that she went in. She learned to go in that. And then I opened the X pen. I had her on a leash while she was in the X pen. And then I pottied her near the X pen. And then later on she was going in different grasses and everything else. But when we had her here two weeks ago, when she was just learning all of this, you know, I brought her cause I didn't want an accident at home. I'm setting the X-Pen up outside of two guys smoke shop. It's on gravel. And she's looking at me like, well, I don't understand. This isn't what I do. She was used to her very specific spot. So they're very contextual in that sense that if you are going to work your potty training and we would highly recommend you start your potty training by going outdoors. We don't like pee pads, turf, all of that kind of stuff. They're very contextual with this is where I go. This is what I do. So is there a certain spot in the city where you go to the same tree, the same little patch of grass every day, a certain part of your yard, that you go to. What is your setup for one, how the puppy lives and exists, but two, how you're going to get it outdoors to set the puppy up for as much success as possible. Yeah. And if you do have a toy breed and you do live in an apartment complex and you're living in an urban environment, um, you may go with the turf, but it's the same thing. You take this puppy to the turf and you stand there and you make sure, and I would fence it in, make sure the puppy can't get off of that artificial grass setup that they do sell now. To make sure that that's the only place that the dog pees and poops. Yeah. Because you know, these toy breeds, they can't even get down an elevator, yeah. five flights and outside. They got to go. Yeah. The smaller you know? the puppy, the smaller the bladder. Let's consider this also. And that is a good point that Scott brings up. Some people are doing that now. High rises in New York, high rises in Boston. That makes sense. They're yeah. fine with the turf. But is that what you want long term also? If that's what you want for your life of your toy breed and you have a good setup and it's sanitary and you like that, that's fine. But whatever you're committing to those first couple months, it's going to be harder to transition the dog later on. So just be very mindful of what you want long term, what you're prepared to deal with, and how much time you have to deal with it, honestly. Because I like it was a celebration last night. Granted, it was Valentine's Day and I got to spend it with my love, but I didn't have the puppy. I felt like a free woman. It was totally a whole new way to live. Yeah, I tell people it's a lot of work, but it's all the the puppy is an adult in anywhere from a year to two years, a year to 18 months. If it's a giant breed, it might be still by this house breaking, breaking stuff, even with an uh, English Mastiff, which I had, that may not be physically mature until two years. The housebreaking stuff is all dialed in within six to eight months if for the most part. If you're doing things properly. One thing to watch for is if you have your puppy loose in the living room with you or whatever room you're in, if they start sniffing and then start going to the perimeter of the room and just kind of going around the perimeter, they're looking for a place to pee. And that's just a quick sign, hey, scoop that puppy up quick. They're looking for a place to go. 
Get it outside. It's one of the sure. easiest things to see. Anybody can see this if you're paying attention to your puppy. And when the puppy is loose, you should be paying attention yeah. to your puppy all the time. Yeah. Because if they're not peeing on something, they're chewing on cords. They're doing something they shouldn't be doing because they're curious little animals and they're just exploring their environment. Yeah. Scott's right. You want to be supervised house time during potty training, but really up until six to eight months of that puppy's life. They're not just ready to have full access to the house. All right. We're going to go to break super quick. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this topic of getting puppies. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. Okay, we're back. So if you are considering getting a puppy and you're dead set on the puppy situation and, you know, my kids want a puppy, my family wants a puppy, I always wanted a puppy, where should you look to get your puppy? And this is something that you do need to consider. All puppies are not created equal. So where would you recommend someone get a puppy in 2023? Well, the first thing I would consider is what type of dog would be compatible with your family. If you have young kids or you're an older, it could be a couple of seniors that want to get a dog that haven't had a dog, maybe their their last dog died last year, two years ago, but they just missed the compatibility of having a dog in the house. So you want to find a dog whose energy level is going to be compatible with the energy of the house and the people in the house. So first thing is kind of pick out like what breed would be the most realistic for you to have with your dog. Yeah. So And if, if you're going, if you have a breed in mind, then I would seek out a reputable breeder for that type of dog you want. If you're an older couple and you think, I'm not even going to be alive for another 15, I don't want to start with a puppy, I would definitely look at rescues. Yeah. That's where I would go. Yeah. Well, and I'm, it's funny when I asked you that question, Scott didn't even like consider getting a puppy from a rescue. And I want to touch on this topic slightly. So if you do want a puppy for your life, we would recommend you go to a breeder. One, puppies and rescue normally go a lot quicker than adult dogs, okay? They're easier to get into homes. Everybody loves puppies. They're most likely to be adopted out. If you're planning to have, you know, this whole lifelong journey with this puppy that you're bringing in that's going to be with you hopefully until it's a senior, it's nice to know the genetics. It's nice to know what to expect. I'm not saying that, you know, mutts puppies are, you know, worthless and that you haven't had great success with those in the past. However, if you're committing to a puppy, why not commit to something that you can know about the genetics? You can meet the parents. You do know what to expect from the breed traits. You know, even these people that are getting these mongrel pets and stuff and embarking them, those tests aren't always necessarily accurate. So it's nice to know what you're starting with as far as genetics, health, temperament, and everything else, and where to look. You want a reputable breeder. What does that mean? We don't have to get crazy into that right now, but if you're seeing puppies pop up on Craigslist, you can't sell animals on Facebook, so you're not going to see them on Facebook Marketplace or something. But if you're seeing litters on Craigslist, if you're, where else is a place we wouldn't go? Pet finder. Pet finder, yeah. If there's, um, that's kind of going towards the rescue type of situation or something. But someone that ideally you can have access to their house if you want to, even if they live across the country, you could fly there, you could see them, you could meet the parents. <clears throat> Maybe they're able to give you references of other people who own those puppies. Just do not go off of this brilliant website or some Facebook group that says this is the best breeder ever. Let's actually speak to some people. Yes, I got a puppy from this woman eight years ago. It was great. I got another puppy two years ago. Same situation. It was great. It is not on the breeders how great your 
your puppy journey is. But the more you know about where your puppy is coming from and the puppy's genetics, the easier your journey can be. And That's I would what say, I would say. I would really shy away from puppy brokers. There's a couple of websites out, maybe two or three now at this point. I don't know the names of any of them, but they are giant networks yes. of breeders. So it could be, for example, puppies.com. And I don't know that that's even a website. But you go on puppies.com and you punch in the breed you want. And then it pulls up all these puppies of exactly what you want. And they have bows in their hair. And they just look friggin' awesome. They're awesome photos. And you pick, I want this puppy. And maybe you do get that particular puppy. But you don't know where the breeder is for that puppy. It could be, you know, so far removed from who you're getting it from. Yes. And it's nice to have a relationship with the actual breeder because if there's some type of an issue, the breeder wants to know. They don't they want, want to be know. producing puppies that have some type of a defect, and uh, they they certainly would want to trade the puppy out for a healthy puppy if there was any type of a genetic problem there. So any reputable breeder, they want their puppies to be in good homes of responsible people. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. What Scott is referring to, it's basically like a virtual puppy mill at this point. So just be very conscious of that. And this is not to say that if you got your last puppy from a situation like that and it turned out to be the dog of your dreams, we're not trying to put you down. You can place your bets on that situation again, and I hope it goes just as well. We are speaking from experience. We are speaking from what we've seen in the industry the past 10, 20 plus years, and we we know what sets people up for success versus what doesn't. So yes, be conscientious of where it's coming from, who you're hearing about the puppy from, and the choices you're making. Because it is a big choice. It is a 15- to 18-year commitment often. And we did have a client that, that got a puppy off yeah. of a situation like that. It was interesting because she got a great puppy. Yeah. And I kept saying, where'd you get this puppy from? Who's the breeder? <laughs> and she said, oh, we, you know, we got it from the, you know, their website or wherever. Then they decided to get another puppy. And that we never really found out who the first breeder was. It turned out it was from one of these brokerage-type websites. And the second puppy they got was a nightmare. Yeah, not the same. So if you, if you got a good puppy, you want to go back to that same breeder if you want to get a second dog because the first one's so great. But going back to this brokerage-type yeah. thing, you're never going to get back to that same puppy, the same parents, yeah. and all the stuff that made that first dog for you that was so awesome. But you are going to see the nice pictures with the bows still, so don't get sucked in. So yeah, this is all very important stuff to think about. If you are going to go the breeder route, a lot of breeders, whether they be sport, performance breeders, even just pet breeders now, are going the contract route. Do not let that scare you away. That is okay. I mean, read through the contract. Make sure there's nothing crazy that doesn't make you feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm not getting into this. We had one puppy um, that we did as a client like five years ago. I think I've said it before in the podcast, the breeder in the contract, it was a $25,000 fee if you didn't spay the puppy by six months old. Like that's a little bit crazy to me, you know, no matter how much you want to preserve your genetics, there can be some outliers that'll throw you off. Do not be concerned about a virtual contract being sent something else. I would be a little concerned about being too laissez-faire. If you're talking to this breeder and they're like, yep, great, send the deposit, you know, it'll be here this day, everything's all set. If they're quick to make the transaction, maybe take a pause yourself. The more invested your breeder is in the puppy, in its lines, in the life of the dog, the better. And we've said this in a million episodes, a million different ways, but whatever breeder you're working with, ideally they take the puppy back. No, anyone that brings a dog into their house, that's not what they're planning to do. They're not planning to rehome their dog, but it might be a question that you say, like if you've had situations where it doesn't work out before, will you take the puppy back? And if they say, no, that's not what we do anything else. 
you might want to go to someone who's a little more thoughtful with where the puppies go and what they want for their life. I want to back up just a little bit about the housebreaking. And I was talking to Jess last night about my childhood dog. And I was about seven or eight years old. And my mother decided what breed she wanted. She wanted this Samoyed. He says that. I think it's Samoyed. But so, however you pronounce it, it's a white New husky, Englanders are weird. husky Harry, type dog. Harry, weird. And I can remember the first night we got the puppy home. I wanted the puppy in my bedroom with me. I slept on the floor with this puppy. And when I woke up, it was like a crime scene. There was just poops all around the outline of my body where this puppy just pooped all over my bedroom floor, you know? And we didn't have crates. Nobody I knew used a crate. All my friends had dogs. Nobody used crates unless they had hunting beagles, like one of my friend's dad had beagles. And just to get them to the woods, they all went into boxes, you know? But the house, the dog got housebroken. And I'm thinking, well, what did we do? Well, the, the difference was dogs were not in the house all the time. They were out of the house most of the time when I was a kid. This is in the 60s. So yes, the dog was part of the family. And yes, the dog was in the house. And we took photos with this puppy growing up and everything else. But we had a yard. And actually, the dog was loose, even just loose out in the, in the world. And we lived in a more you know rural environment. And all my buddy, when we went to school, the short answer here is that the dog was outside more than inside. And that's why the dog learn to pee and poop outdoors. And that was part of it. But I also said, and we unpacked this a little bit, dogs then had different genetics, honestly. Like, I'm not saying that dogs back in the 60s are way better than dogs now, but the genetics have changed. Like, the more that we're breeding dogs, the more that we're crossing these doodle mixes, the more that we're, you know, integrating high drive into high drive, the dogs are born with more anxiety. And newsflash, you guys, if you're having a hard time with housebreaking, Anxiety is related to housebreaking. If the dog is constantly crying in a crate and not sleeping, you're going to have the dog one is awake and, you know, using energy and is going to have to pee more frequently. But anxiety and housebreaking are very closely interrelated. So I said, granted, the Samoyed was probably more of an independent breed, but also the genetics of that dog just led to more independence. It wasn't like, you know, oh, I need you guys. Oh, I miss you guys. The dog was doing its own thing, pooped hey. in the house, then went outside. And we were a busy household with three kids and everybody's yeah. coming and going. You and- and fawning all over no, the dog all day. There was not, I mean, with the exception of, the, I, I can remember the dog would wait by the breakfast table every morning for my dad to put his bowl of cereal on the floor <laughs> so that the puppy could drink the milk out of the cereal bowl. <laughs> but then it was that, separate lives. Yeah, that was and about that is, as much nurturing the dog That is got. a fundamental difference to how we view dogs now versus how we used to view dogs. They are constantly integrated into our lives. People constantly want to be holding them. They want to be carrying them. They want to be dressing them up. They want to be pushing them in strollers. And it's creating a dog that is maybe less stable than the dogs that were of days back in the day, in the olden days, we'll call it. So that is just a a minor point to remember with the potty training and everything else. Are we good with the potty training? Can we move on? I think we can move on. Okay. I'm glad, I'm glad we brought up snowball. Scott likes to talk about snowball and any, any time. Just so many of my friends had dogs when we were kids and nobody created and nobody trained. I mean, no one was a dog trainer. People trained their own dogs to do certain stuff. But there wasn't like the profession of dog training, really, in the 60s. Nobody could make a living doing that. And society has changed, and that's fine. We're, We're moving with society, but how can we set you guys up in society this day and age? So if you are listening and you think, holy crap, 
Maybe this puppy thing is going to be like more than I bargained for. Maybe with the kids and, you know, my son has a really big lacrosse year next year with a lot of traveling. Maybe a puppy isn't going to fit into that schedule. Great. It's not that you can't have a dog, but you could go to a breed specific rescue. You could talk about, you know, dogs that didn't work out in homes before, meet different dogs, maybe get an adult dog of that breed. You could go to the rescue, be honest with rescue, what you want. This is my life. I need a dog that is housebroken. I would like a dog that is comfortable in a crate. I would like a dog that's more independent. I would like a dog that plays fetch. Whatever works for you, be honest about what you want. So if you're sitting here and you're listening or you've sent this podcast to a friend or family member who's considering a puppy, we're not saying that you can't have a dog, but a puppy is different than getting a dog. And yes, they both have huge responsibility, but the puppy responsibility, I'm just coming off of two weeks of it. It's greater than having an adult dog that's lived in someone else's house that now has an adult bladder, has already been spayed or neutered or whatever, has been used to living in a crate. Maybe their owner died, unfortunately, an older owner, something else, and they just need a home. That is fine. Welcome that dog into your house. And if the kids are like, oh, but we need a puppy and the puppy's what we need, everything else, the kids don't really care. They'll be just as excited to have a dog a week to a month after that dog arrives than they would to have a puppy. And the novelty of a puppy wears off with children as well, you guys. You think, oh, I'm going to have the kids feed the puppy. I'm going to have the kids take the puppy out. I'm going to have this, that, and the other thing. I don't think your little six-year-old, eight-year-old kid is going to be jumping out of bed like a firefighter like I was with the alarm to get the puppy out at first. That is going to be on you. So just be conscientious of how much bandwidth you have because we're just pulling ourselves in a million directions this day and age and adding a puppy to the mix is going to cause some chaos and pandemonium for a bit. I'm just going to let you know. It could push you over the edge. That could be... (laughs) I was close. (laughs) That could be the straw. Okay. So we got the potty training. We got the situation of what is your setup like? What is your schedule like? What is your family dynamic like? This is a really important thing to consider. Do you already have animals? Do you have cats that could be clawing this little puppy's eye out? Do you have, are you planning to have a newborn? You know, are you pregnant? Like think of these different things. I'll never forget. There was a vet at MassVet. I used to go and just do underwater treadmill with sink just for conditioning. Dear, dear woman. She's a vet. She's like, I'm going to get my burner puppy the same time that I have my baby. And I saw her like four months later and she's like, that was the worst decision I've ever made. I've never been so stressed in my life. So if you're considering something like that, like, oh, I'll be home with the baby. I'll have maternity leave. I can do the puppy at the same time. That's a lot to do at once. You need to think of what is your current family dynamic? What will your family dynamic be the first year of the puppy's life? Family dynamics change frequently. And then what is your like goal of a family dynamic. Do you want to have a family with kids? That might be how you choose a certain breed over another breed. If you want to have a family with kids and you want to bring a puppy into it, maybe a lab would be better suited than a Kita. Be conscientious of what your long-term goal is because when you're bringing an animal into your life, ideally you're thinking 10, 15, 18 years ahead and life changes. These dogs are with us for a long time. So be very conscientious of, is this the proper thing to introduce into the dynamic that we live in and the structure that we live in. Another thing to consider uh, with your children is if you have a child that has been diagnosed with autism on the spectrum, bipolar disorder, any type of uh, an emotional uh, issue that causes the child to be a little bit unpredictable in its behavior, a little bit explosive, temper tantrums, which go go along with it. It's not a, a judgment at all. But you want a puppy and and the puppy is going to become a dog that is more bulletproof to that type of behavior that's less reactive to yes. a kid that might be having a flare up in an emotional uh, episode of some kind. 
And, you know, the herder breeds, the more nervous dogs are going to get freaked and they're going to start reacting to the kids. So now not only do you have a kid having a problem that you've learned how to deal with, but you have a dog having a problem because the kid's having a problem and you got now the whole household is getting tense. There's yeah, stuff going on. That's a good point. That's a good that, point. Because I've dealt with this many times. Yeah, you don't want to mirror the energy of the children. If you have very high energy kids, maybe you get a lower energy puppy. If you have kids that kind of tune out and they don't do much, maybe a puppy with you know, more energy and drive will bring that out. So that is a good concept to consider. And it's not that we're saying you should or you shouldn't based on what we say, but it really is something that people so quickly forget. We see this all the time with older couples. They're, you know, the, the kids have uh, their own kids now. They have grandkids. Their 15-year-old dog died. They think, oh, I want a puppy. When you're in your freaking 70s and you bring a puppy into your life, that's a lot of work. Yes, it's going to keep you young longer, but maybe you want to rescue a year-old dog at that point. Just be conscientious of the choice you're making because literally it is a lot more work than you realize. And we're only saying this because I just went through it the past two weeks. And the good news is that it's all behind you within 18 months. If it goes the way you want. Yeah. The bad news is if you have 18 months of potting in the house, you're probably going to have a dog who potties in the house forever. So, and I think most people won't even tolerate that. I mean, a yeah, lot then of, the, the main reason that, that puppies get rehomed and is because of housebreaking yeah. is one thing I read years ago because the carpet, now they're at a point where, okay, we're tearing all the carpets up. We're yeah, not going to have our new carpets damaged by this dog. Yeah, people aren't going to tolerate it. So consider these things. Talk to professionals. Talk to people in your neighborhood. Talk to trainers. Talk to rescue groups. Talk to breeders. Consider things before you make the decision to dive in headfirst with the puppy situation because it is a bit of a journey and it is fulfilling and they are cute and they are wonderful, but you're going to lose sleep. You're going to have extra stress and you might have a little bit of turmoil. So just be ready. Be prepared for yourself. Yeah. And I would say, you know, not to, I know you want to wrap this up here shortly, but <laughs> I mean, so you glad took, he gets the drift. You took your dog to college with you, and when you were out partying with your girlfriends, you came home yeah, to, to let specifically let the dogs out. Yeah. None yeah. of the other kids had dogs; didn't yeah. have to worry about it. Yeah. And after she let the dogs out, she could go back to the bar if she yeah. wanted, go out and party. Yeah, it's but there a was lifelong the responsibility commitment. there. You yeah, know? it's a lifelong commitment. A little bit of housekeeping before we close up. Uh, we did our uh, February meditation with cute little Lulu yesterday before she left. I will be posting that tonight. It's only a five-minute meditation. We're going to do monthly meditation. And my extremes in dog training survey is going to be up by Friday. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. And in the meantime, keep, keep it, it quirky. quirky. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.